Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 37.5. Yeah, we're, we, we kind of skipped a week. Um, Tanda had the plaid plague, so she, she couldn't really talk, and we... Um, we tried it with sign language. It just didn't work. No, nobody, no one knew what was happening. Uh, T- Tanda, sidebar. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think we need to start over. I think PJ just broke some HIPAA laws by uh, revealing the identity of the person that was sick last week. I'm, I'm just happy that we have sick leave on the podcast here. I'm, you right. know, so. It, well, I'll check. I'll, I'll email counsel. Let's get back to the show. Let's just do it anyway, and then I'll see what they say at the end. Yeah, you know, we can. We he can cut it out in post. Oh, okay, good. All right. All right. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. And I don't, I mean, I don't understand these HIPAA law things, but I, I really just don't care. So we're not going to, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but um, back to um, our regular scheduled program here. Uh, our skill is about uh, modifying people. Well, not modifying people, but, but modifying people. Yeah, for sure. Modifying people. But anyway, um, modification, you know, it's, it's a thing. Uh, Tom? What what skill class is modification modifying? Uh, well, it's a three, but if you if you modify it, it, it could be an eight. I can see that. I can see that for sure. Tanda, what did you find on modifying your research? I didn't. I didn't find anything on modifying. I was. Uh, well, I can't say I was out sick, but I, I was. I was out sick, and so that's my excuse for not uh, not coming up with any research. So I just text Tom and said, "Hey, Tom, you gonna." You're going to have to do double research this week. I'm not feeling it. So I'm going to pass it over to him and see what he came up with. Okay, so Tom's got double the research. All right, Tom, what did you find? Well, double the research, uh, double of nothing is... Mm, well, I found I found um, a little history of NASCAR, and I didn't know this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in the beginning of the story. I think I just gave away the ending. But... Back with the Moonshiners. Moonshine, back in Prohibition, uh, led to the modification of cars so that they could go faster and outrun the police. And I did not know the next part, which I already told you, where that led directly to NASCAR. Like, N-A-S-C-A-R. Like, the actual thing. So closely tied that there are drivers in the hall of fame that were previously arrested as bootleggers so people were modifying their cars to outrun the police and that turned into a sport you got it yeah i I like that alcohol and driving led to nascar it explains a lot i think i mean that definitely sounds like something rednecks would do i gotta i gotta chime in you know it's that's i agree yeah, that's if if ever rednecks were gonna have a sport, that would be it. Yeah, uh, not just like souping up the cars, but like they put you know switches to disconnect the lights of the you know the tail lights mm-hmm. so that they couldn't be followed as easily. Um, license plates that would flip over like James Bond, um, all, like all kinds of modifications. Really heavy suspension, so they could be like totally yes. loaded down, but then the car sat like it was normally setting. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I've seen programs on that. Well, I don't know if that qualifies as double the research, but you actually did some research, so we'll, we'll count did. that as that double. I read a thing and then 
repeated it back to the best of my memory. Yes. Yes, that's that's true. Um we uh sidebar, Tanda. <laughs> yeah. I think you may have to get sick again, you know, quote unquote sick, so that we can get Tom to actually do some work on the show here. I mean, it sounds like this this is very effective. Even if maybe what we'll do is you could pretend to be sick and then I'll have Tom go first. And then after he goes, you can actually have done some research, and then we will have tricked him into researching. Oh, man. And then all three of us would have research. I know. It's like the the trifecta, you know? It's worth a try. It, it looks like he's coming out of his stupor. Oh, okay. Hey, hey Tom, that was a fantastic yeah. job. That, we really thanks, appreciate thanks. that. I mean, I have to do that every, like, you know, 30 episodes, so I'll, I'll get back to it in another, another 30 Right. Okay. So, like episode four hundred, we're, we're gonna something like that. Well, um, I I did uh, an extensive dive on many different. I looked for all kinds of modification, modifying history things, tools, stuff. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of nothing on the internet. Like a lot of nothing to the point where. I was joking about modifying people, but that's actually what I found. I found the <laughs> art and history of body modification, which is modifying people. I'm not going to go deep into it, but I did, uh, you know, the body modding, uh, which I love that term. I think that's kind of fun. Uh, the the light version is tattooing or piercings, which that's, that's the kind of stuff that we're all sort of familiar with. Uh, but then there's also um, mild surgical body modifications like there are subdermal implants uh which is stuff that gets put just below the skin they make like a little tiny hole they slip something in there and then it heals right back up so you can actually put like a a subdermal nut under your skin and then you can screw things onto it like little jewels or spikes or you know whatever you could change it out um you can also have and, and of course one of the most common body modifications out there is uh, pierced ears so like almost everybody, every woman on the planet has pierced ears. So really more than half the planet has body modifications. You don't really think about it because it's so commonplace. Um, and then it goes into there's there's all kinds of stuff that I really don't want to get into, like branding and scarification. But it's uh, it's a thing that people do. And um, that's it. That's that's my research. I didn't really find anything else that was worth talking about. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right. Got two deals. One was a little better than the other this week, or last week. It was last week. Uh, the first one was called the Quick Discount Deal. There was this guy named Harry, and Harry had a three-inch Prentice vice listed on Facebook Marketplace as a number 50 vice. For $120, okay? And in the details, he listed it as a Preston vice because apparently he couldn't couldn't read the entire name, even though it was clearly written on the vice. So here was the conversation I had with him. I said, how wide are the jaws? Let me check. They're three inches. So I asked for more pictures. And he says, if you're really interested, I'll let it go for 80 now, I didn't ask him to lower the price. And mind you, it started at 120. I'm just asking the size. He automatically drops it to 80. And he says, I'll even throw in an anvil. 
<laughs> and I, <laughs> what? And I'm like, what? So he says, it's three inch vice with, uh, oh, I said in return, I said, it's a three inch vice with a static body, no swivel base, um, in rather rough condition. $80 is a bit high for me. And then I said, an anvil? Question mark. And then he says, can you do 60? <laughs> I, and, and then he says, I believe it's a four pounder talking about the anvil. And I didn't answer him with the yes or no. I just said, is there a marking? And he said, a maker's mark? I said, yeah. And then he sends me pictures of the bottom that has like unintelligible dents that might form a shape that could be a maker's mark, but really just look like it was probably cut out of the casting or somebody hit it with like an angle grinder or something. I don't know, but it didn't really look like a mark, but he thought it was. So I look at it and then I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I don't say anything. And then he says, make an offer. So then I wait a little bit longer and I'm like, 45 bucks for both. And he says, done. <laughs> oh man, he drives a hard bargain. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we started at 120 for just the vice. Now we're at 45 for both of them, right? And then I said, "Beautiful." I said, "What else you got?" And he goes, "Oh, well, I've got a bunch of of saws that are really expensive, you know, they're they're worth like $300." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm not interested in those." I said, "What else?" So he sends me some pictures, and there's one of those um like cast iron ladles for melting bullets, you know, to pour like lead into molds and stuff. It's got like the little dip on each side. And I'm like, uh, I'm interested in the ladle. And he goes, oh, you can have that for free. <laughs> like, okay. So then he shows me a picture. He's got a Milwaukee 45 degree angled drill. And then he's got an old brass plaque Van Dorn drill. Or not Van Dorn, it was a Miller's Falls drill. Right. And I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm like, how much for the drills? He goes, oh, well, the Miller's Falls is worth a lot. That one's seventy five dollars. And I'm like, yeah, I, I have those. They're like five bucks. He goes, oh, no, no, it's worth seventy five. OK, I'm not interested in that. What about the Milwaukee? Oh, you could have that for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so for 50 bucks, I got the Milwaukee drill, the ladle the little anvil and the and the vice. And not only that, when I went to pick it up, I thought he was an old man at first because there was no picture on his profile. But I get there and he's like younger than me. And we start talking and I'm acting like a complete idiot, like I don't know anything. And he's telling me about the saws and he had some Distons and Sons saws. And I didn't know, but apparently the Distin, if it just says Distin, that is a newer saw. The Distant and Sons is from the 1800s. So that was news to me. And he says, yeah, I found this guy. He's got a website. He sells these saws. He actually bought a couple off me for $125 each. So now I have a guy that will buy these saws and then resell them for more money, obviously. But I've got Distant Saws. And they say Distant and Sons on them. So I'm like, hmm. I, just, I think it's funny because it usually goes the other way. It's like it's distant and, and then the sons get older and they decide, well, they may take over someday. I'm going to include them in the company. Uh, and then it becomes distant and sons. So I just find it funny that at some point, whoever distant was, was like, these kids are idiots. I'm taking, I'm taking their name <laughs> off of it. And just go, just go on to distant. <laughs> uh, you're actually 
both right. I've looked this up many times for these saws, and I just double-checked, but it used to be just Distin, and then around um, late 1800s, it went to Distin and Sons, and then it went back to Distin. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah. I'll send you the link. you got to check it. Okay, so that was all for Harry, but then down not too far away, by not too far away, I mean 40 minutes in the same direction, there was another guy named Evan, and uh, this deal is called Don't Delta Me. Uh, this guy named Evan had a 1x42 Delta Belt sander with an 8-inch disc on the side for 75 bucks, which is not a terrible price, but it's not the price I wanted. So I said, hey, how about 60 bucks?" And he says, mm, how about a three-pack of brand-new belts to go with it? I'm like, for 60 bucks? He goes, no, it's staying at 75 And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, fine, fine. Yeah, I'll take it for 75 So I meet up with the guy. And he's like, yeah, we're we're clearing out this shop we just bought, you know, some stuff we don't need. I'm like, oh, what else do you have? He goes, oh, I've, we've got a jet belt grinder. I'm like, really? How much is that? $500. Y- yeah, I'll, I'll just stick with the Delta. Thanks. Thanks. Here's here's the 75 uh, Thanks for meeting me. And then, and then that was it. I left. So the deals were a little scarce, but, you know, uh, next week's deals are going to be better because I've already got them um, sort of in the works, uh, but they don't physically have them. So there's your uh, there's your dealer's corner. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. Tom, what's your personal history with modifying? I I somewhere around eighth grade. And the PlayStation 1. Uh, I have a good friend, still, still a good friend, that was very into computers and knew so much about computers that I I learned a lot from him, and I still do. But we modified some stuff when we were kids. Kids. Young adults. Now we were kids. Uh, We modified the PlayStation 1. You could buy a mod chip back then. Uh, I think that was maybe the first system you could really do that with, or maybe the, like commercially available, uh, commercially illegally available. But you could put this mod chip in, and then you could burn games and play them illegally, which was awesome. So we had lots and lots of PlayStation games because of this. So uh, after that, we did some other stuff. He put a computer in his one of his first cars he had a three series bmw and he put a full computer like this is before bluetooth right like just to give you a, a, a time frame here in the passenger side floorboard where your feet would go up that front ramp he built like a two and a half three inch computer that went under the carpet and lived under there he bought a power supply to run it, and he had a 7-inch Lilliput touchscreen, I still remember the brand for no real reason, that we made we. I think he did all of it, but I was so involved that I feel like I did it with him. <laughs> he, made a, he made an insert for his dash for this touchscreen, and he included a Wi-Fi dongle so that when he parked in his driveway, he could download new music to the computer. So that was like an pretty early modifying example for me what was his name uh i can't tell you his name can't give me his first name <laughs> chris i'm just kidding <laughs> sidebar tanda yeah 
I, I think we should have had Chris on this episode. It seems like he would have been way more <laughs> interesting than Tom. Tom just like pirating this guy's whole story. I don't think Tom's done anything, but this guy, Chris, sounds amazing. I mean, I want him to work on my car. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if, if you know, you're you're kind of falling short on on stories, you should just like throw a sub in. Don't even don't even tell the other two people on the podcast. Just set somebody in your chair and 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 let them run with it. I don't think our audience is going to notice. Yeah, probably not. Oh, he's waking up again. Oh, Tom. So so after the car, um, what what else would you, was modified? I don't think I've ever modified anything in my entire life. You know, I. It, this is kind of odd. I, I went through the same process and I often do for the show is I'm like, we, we have the topic and then I start thinking about it and I'm like, and all it takes is for me to go, I, I can't think of anything I've ever modified. And then they start coming, you know, then, then the, I, and then it's like, well, there was that one thing. And then, you, you, but you've made all kinds of like modified lawnmowers and turned them into RC oh, yeah. control and stuff. Well, I think, I think the problem is, is that Everything I've ever done, I could consider a modification, but that's not the label I put on it. That's why I don't associate it that way. This entire room has been modified to suit my needs. I mean, I just put in an air conditioner through the vent that I made, the window vent that I made for my laser cutter. I mean, everything is modified. I, oh, here's a good example of a recent one. I bought a DeWalt chop saw recently, and the first thing I did was not assemble it. I just, like, the extra fence pieces I left off, the tight, the knob on the front that you tighten, I took that off because it has detents. It's got a spring-loaded detent thing, and I'm I'm never going to use anything but the detents. Like, 45 degrees is the only reason I bought the thing. The hose on the back, um, you know, I took off the dust chute, and I put on a different thing. I modified the little, the little collar at the bottom that takes the dust in. Um, you know, this is a brand-new tool, and I just... I just severely modified it to do exactly what I needed. I love how Tom buys something brand new and he's like, this is a piece of shit. Let me fix it. <laughs> it's no, you know what? It's not, it's not that I get that. It's, this is the best they have to offer. I need it to be better and more specific. Their best is a piece of garbage. Then I'm gonna fix it. Well, some sometimes new things are good, uh, good raw material for modding into to other things. Yeah, we should call that mod fodder. Totally. Mod fodder, the mod fodder. Yeah, sounds like a cover band. <laughs> sounds like a mod movie. What do you What are you doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to catch a mod fodder down at the barn. It's gonna be a It's gonna be a fun time. <laughs> exactly. So, so does anything, any, any particular modification jump into mind other than the, the most recent one, Tom, that you think would be interesting, maybe people don't know about? I have made two remote control lawnmowers. I don't think I've mentioned them really on here. About 18 times, yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Did, have I talked about my lathe? Um, that, like 19 times, yeah. No. I think the saw was the most, the most spectacular because I really customized that to do what i needed and i found a flaw in it i had put like a i glued a piece of wood to the back I remember of that. the throat plate yeah 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 that backfired yeah you know why Big time yeah i remember go ahead <laughs> so uh it worked great until i went to 45 degrees and it bumped up against the fence and i had to contemplate whether i should well no it didn't work i was like can i just cut the fence but you can't because that block of wood actually extends into you know the the fencing area 
so I'm I, I still have a modification I want to do to the saw where I can put like a call it a one inch dowel standing you know a one inch dowel round by like one and a half inches tall and I can insert it into the throat plate at the perfect pivoting point of the saw so that when the saw goes down it cuts into the dowel and they're replaceable so if you do a weird angle you can just put a new one in i thought you were talking about the little dust chute thing where you had to glue the pieces of wood onto it because it kept flexing every time you turned it on uh that was that was also a nightmare it it flexed out of the box when you turn this on yeah. and you put a vacuum in this little f- like rubber dust chute collar like a chute chute yeah yeah it suctions closed like you're um, kind of like your nostril if you like sniff in real fast and your nostril closes and suctions itself closed. You've done that. We've all done that. I'm not yeah. saying anything. No? Yeah, yeah. Just me? Just you. Or just me? Just you. We, okay. We used to have contests where we put like little bindweed flowers on our nose and then like see who could hold it on your nose the longest so so basically who can who can breathe in the longest without dropping their their thing that's on stuck on the end of their nose i want to know how many people did that and they sucked too hard and and they sucked the flower up their nose yeah yeah (laughs) there there's bound to be some i mean that's one of those things that you do as a kid that they're like three kids doing it and and there's always some other kid that's like I want to try, mm-hmm. and they just don't get the concept. And the next thing you know, yeah. they're in the nurse's office with them trying to tweezer bindweed flowers <laughs> out of their nose. Yeah. yeah. Then you know, next next spring they're growing a flower. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we were talking last week about inventions, right? Two weeks ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and that old uh, that old phrase that says uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Well, if that's true, then modifying is the drunk uncle of invention. And on that note, we're going to go to Tanda. Yeah. Tanda, what's your personal history on modifying? Well, I was trying to think of the earliest thing I can remember modifying, and it was probably a a clock. There was uh, there were these time chart clocks or like circle charts that were uh, that were used for recording pressures uh, where my dad worked, and they were retrofitting all of them with a battery powered one, and these were wind up clocks. And so there were a whole bunch of these wind-up clocks, and I can remember taking the old ones apart and just using the wind-up mechanism to basically make like a wind-up motor because they ran for like 7, 14, or 28 days to drive the chart in the chart recorder. And I just remember making you know a few different things where I wound them up and then they became like a little crane or a little little mechanism where I just used the mechanics of them to you know, tie, you know, it was really simple stuff, just tie a fishing line to it or tie something to it and use the gears and the mechanism to, to move things over time. Sidebar. Tom? Yeah. Did, did Tanza just say that she used, um, she, she used a clock to make a crane and she said that that was simple to do? Maybe I wasn't listening, but go ahead. Tom, I need you for some, the one thing I need you for, you're not paying attention. Ah, she's coming back. Tanda, you're you're talking about the crane. That that sounds. Um... Yeah, I was talking. I was talking about a crane, but uh, um, as far as Tom knows, I was just going wah 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 wah, and you know now Charlie Brown teacher voice. Pretty but, much, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. But then I probably the next thing I remember is um, I had a Datsun pickup, and when I was in high school, I uh, there's this 
situation where you don't want to modify something or it's too new or it's in too good a condition and then something happens to it. It gets that first ding in it or it gets scraped or something and then you're like, fine, okay, now it's it's time to time to modify it. Light it on fire. Totally. Yeah, yeah I, I can, yeah, it's like, oh, it's not brand new anymore. I may as well hack into it. All those spare parts for the DeWalt thing are still in a box because I'm afraid to like throw them out and commit to my ideas, but I know where you're coming from. Yeah, no, it's like this turning point. But I, at one point, I was driving down this down this alley, and I clipped the uh, clipped the corner of a dumpster, like where they pick up the dumpster. I just caught it with the front corner of my bumper, but that caused it to spin around and and whack the driver's door of my pickup that I drove when I was in high school. And then I had to actually do the body work to repair the door. And at that point, it was like, oh, I could I could modify all kinds of things on this. And so the door was open. And I remember, you know, putting putting different mirrors and different antennas and taking out the seats and putting it had a bench seat. I put in bucket seats out of another vehicle and, you know, made a lot of changes to it. One of the other things I remember modifying was our, our cable box so that we got free pay TV. The funny thing about that is uh, I just, I, I had lots of home alone time. And so I just took it apart one evening and and uh, made the modifications to it. Back in those days, they did pretty simple things to scramble the, the video. It wasn't as complicated as it is now. And so I modified it, but they used to always run like free HBO for two weeks or whatever. During various times, they would turn off the scrambling. And so my parents didn't realize that we weren't just in some kind of extended trial because they didn't watch that much TV. So we had like free free pay TV from that point on. And the funny thing is, uh, at some point after I went off to college, um, my dad, who wasn't a big big fan of TV in the first place, got tired of paying the cable bill and said he just wanted to cancel the cable. And so they said, fine, just bring in the box. We'll cancel your bill. He took in the box and they ran a test to make sure it was still okay and discovered that it had been modded. And then there's my dad with no idea that it had ever been modded with them saying, <laughs> this this box has been modded and we're, we're not going to let you get any money back for the box and you're going to have to pay an extra $400 and whatever. But he was truly so innocent of it that you know they were just like, Obviously, this man has no idea what's going on, and uh, but but of course he so he didn't he got out of paying anything, but he wasn't happy with me. He called me at college and and let me know about it. So so that was a, that was a fun mod, and then uh, probably the other only the notable mods. I did lots of mods. I had an Apple II computer. It was wonderful because in the early days of Apple, they provided you with everything. All of the information. When you bought an Apple, you got detailed schematics. You got a full listing of all of the ROM code, all of the firmware, everything. You had complete access to it. It was a total hacker's dream. And then oddly, you know, five, six years later, the IBM was the one with the published details. And Apple had closed everything off where you didn't had no idea what was going on in anything Apple. But in those early days, it was great. And I remember uh, uh, programming new ROMs for my Apple to add new routines that, that it couldn't do. So it had upper and lower case and some additional graphics capabilities. And I ended up taking the 
keyboard off, putting a, a different keyboard on. That was partly because of a party that resulted in the keyboard getting stuff down in it after I got sick and not working anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so I, I remember doing all kinds of hacks on my Apple II and making it very, very custom. And I wish I still had it, but someone out there has a, a hacked Apple II that has kind of hidden routines in it that will do unusual things and has more capabilities. So that was fun. And that was, I mean, and since then I've, you know, modded a lot of different things, but those kind of came to mind as, as fun mods. Mm. PJ, what's your history? Well, um, yeah, yeah. PJ, what did you steal? Cause I stole video games. Tanda stole television. What was your, uh, media of choice? I don't remember stealing anything that I modified, but, I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was I grew up when, you know, Star Wars was new and crispy. And apparently at some point I had an X-Wing fighter that got broken. I don't know exactly how it broke because I don't remember. But it was broken into pieces. And my father took the pieces of the wings and the engines and everything. And he cut them apart and then modified it and put it back together with a wooden trigger and made it into a laser gun that had a little LED pointed out of one of the engines and you pointed it and it made like the sound like the blaster sound that that X-Wings made and it was it was a Star Wars like it was like a custom Star Wars blaster that was made out of X-Wing parts so like that was the first sort of modifying like i don't know i was maybe like six or seven i don't know i probably still have that somewhere too in a box in the attic it's probably still exists but uh that was the beginning i didn't modify a lot of stuff as a kid um going into adulthood though when i was a professional troubleshooter fixing copiers and print systems we would often run into things that were not covered in the manuals and so we were encouraged to find alternate methods for resolving these issues. And thus began the career of field modifications, uh, which I had many. And uh, it was said that if you sent them in and they were accepted by the company, then you would get a bonus. Like you get like a 50 bucks or a hundred bucks for creating something that would now be referred to as like part of like the actual technical specifications. And I probably had like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of these things. And I would send them in and they never gave me anything. So then I just, I was like, all right, you guys suck. So, <laughs> But more modern, like today, I constantly modify in small ways tools that I pick up that are old and broken and need, you know, some way to still function. Uh, the smallest modification being the most common one, which is the switches go bad. The triggers, you know, they go bad. And if you can't fix it, then you got to replace it. And chances are you don't have the trigger that goes with it unless you had the exact same model go bad with a good, good switch. So you have to put a toggle on there or something else to make it work. So I have done modifications like that. I even did today, there is a there's a style of trigger that was very common some years back where the part that your button, the, the part that your finger pushes, like the trigger part that your finger pushes is on a long 
uh, it's, it's like a steel rail, okay? And then it pulls the actual switch, which is like maybe an inch and a half behind. Like it's not, like if you look at a normal switch today, there's gonna be like a little part that looks like a, a trigger, and then there's gonna be a box behind it, and you're just pulling the trigger into the box, and it's a simple action. This is completely offset and cantilevered so that when you're pulling the trigger, it's going at an angle and then it's it's pulling a bar forward in order to actuate a switch that is nowhere near the trigger, okay? And this is a very common switch um, maybe 40, 50 years ago. And I pulled apart a drill, a Van Dorn drill, which is probably from like the 50s or the 40s today. And there was a problem with the switch mechanism itself, but not the trigger. But I happened to have another switch that was made by the same company, but was newer, and the trigger assembly was now plastic, but the switch assembly was identical. So I actually took one apart, took the other one apart, and I'm in the process of putting them back together. So it's not really specifically a modification, but I am taking one, they're, they're, they're the same model of switches, but probably made about 20 years apart. And I'm, I'm making them work. So I do things like that on like a daily basis. I don't even really notice them anymore. But if I had to pick something that is uh, maybe a little interesting and, and kind of fun, if you're familiar with uh, Rockwell Delta or any of the older uh, vintage tools, they have retirement lights. And these retirement lights are highly sought after. We've talked about them on the show before. And I have been trying to figure out how to manufacture them in a way. But uh, I picked up an LED light that was on a drill press that I bought. And it was not meant for the drill press, but somebody put it on there. And it had this really weird like attachment. Like I don't know what it was for. It was not for a tool. But the bottom line is it was basically like a box and it had a switch on the back and there was LEDs pointing down. So I looked at the linkage system for the retirement switches, which is basically like a bicycle chain. It's like a link on a top, link on a bottom, and then it's got like a, a bolt going through them. And then there's a little spacer to keep the linkages from falling into one another. And then the same thing repeats as you move forward. I took a brass door plate for like a doorknob and I just cut it up and I made linkages and then I took um, some brass tubing. I cut that for the spacers. And I took some um, brass bullet shells that I had from a, a movie prop. And I made them into caps. And then I put brass, brass wood screws going down through into the bullet caps, which I had epoxied wood into. And I made this sort of makeshift retirement light armature with the LED light. Um, so the whole thing was, was modified. You know, I modified the light to work on my bandsaw and and it's you know it's shiny and i like it and that's it you know it's it's nice to look at nice but um other than that it's just you know stuff every day i've seen that that's a cool design that you made thank you yeah very much and i think that i once you kind of break through that barrier of of worrying about messing something up you've had a few few wins on taking something and modifying it to make it better at some point, you realize that most mass-produced goods have compromises because they're designed for manufacture or they're designed for some kind of mass production or really cheap material. And I think a lot of times you uh, people 
in general, think that this has to be the pinnacle. This has been evolved to this point of this commercial product, and it's got to be like the best ever. And the reality is it's evolved to that point to meet all of these cost criteria, sales criteria. Mm -hmm. And quite often, if you're making a bespoke something or modifying it, you can make it better for your own purposes. It's just that it would be more expensive for to make them that way or more difficult or unusual material. I want to say something about that. So I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I feel like, especially with the tools that Tom and I are dealing with, the vintage tools, it seems like specifically like drill presses and table saws and stuff like that. It seems like like roughly around the 20s into the 30s was a lot of experimenting. And then when we hit like the 40s into the 50s, like that era was when everything really solidified and they became like really high quality tools. And then going into the 60s was when they started the skimping. And then the 70s was all about, let's save money, cut as much Mm -hmm. as you can. And then the 80s, everything became plastic. So there was definitely like an arc of time. And so like if I have a preference, it is definitely from like mid 40s up to late 50s. Like if I can get tools in that time period, I know that they're at the peak of design as far as style and function. Yeah, no, I I would definitely agree. And it was like what was driving the evolutionary function was the highest quality. Mm -hmm. For a long time, it was like, if we're going to outsell our competitor, we have to have better quality. Yeah. And then at some point, what was driving the next evolution of tools became it has to be more eye-catching or it has to be cheaper or it has to be easier to ship. There were criteria that that varied from, from quality at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Went, totally. Went the wrong direction. Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff. Hi, this is Luke down at Johnson's Hardware. Do you hesitate to modify that shiny new tool to suit your needs better? Or maybe you're just not sure if those two wires should touch. We've got the cure. Grab a bottle of Maker Mod Mule. Pop the cork and take a swig. Made from the highest quality ginger beer, vodka, and WD-40. Your risk meter will plummet and creativity will skyrocket. Maker Mod Mule can also be used as starter fluid, rocket fuel, and wound cleanser. Seven packs are only nineteen twenty. For nutritional information, go to patreon.com slash makerskills. Please drink responsibly. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Tanda, what skill goes well with modifying? Man, I forgot we did this segment. Sidebar. Yeah. Tanda? Yeah. PJ thought he was going to be in the sidebar, but he's not. It's you. <laughs> Tanda, say inventing. I- inventing? Okay. Yeah. He comes okay. back right. to me. Oh, he's, come- oh, he's coming back now. He's coming back. What is it, Tanda? What are you going to say? I, th- I think what goes well with uh, with modifying is inventing. Oh, you took mine. I was going to say inventing. <sighs> oh, man. Now Tom doesn't have one. I guess we'll just have to throw it over to PJ. I'm sorry, Tom. I didn't Dang mean it. to take yours. <laughs> Wait a minute. How is, how is it because Tom doesn't have one, I have to go? Tom should come up with one. That doesn't sound fair. Mine was inventing. I don't know what you're talking about. That, that, that way, now, Tana went first because she was sick, okay? 
She's still not feeling good. She's still recovering. You got to come up with your own, Tom. You can't just take Tanda's. What if you circle back to me? I'll come up with one. All right, fine. I'm going to say the skill that goes well with modifying is breaking things. That's, that's definitely a skill. Because it can be. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. you're good at breaking things, you're good at modifying them. For sure. And and breaking things on a weekend when things are closed, that, that also contributes well to modifying. That's a special subset of the breaking skill. Yes. Yeah, break, yes. breaking on weekends. Yes. yes. If you're lucky and there's music involved, it might turn into break dancing. It could. It could. It's not it's not that likely, but it's possible. Just, you know, in the realm, in the sphere of possibilities. Tom, all right, you've had 30 seconds. I have. Are you ready for this? No. Reinventing. What? <laughs> you can't just put re in front of something and actually have it think that it's going to be different. Tanda already said inventing, Tom. You can't like that. No, reinventing. So what's, reinventing. What's the next one going to be? Rebreaking? Because I said breaking things? Well, well, come on. No, I believe the next double, logical double one reinventing. is, is re-reinventing. Re-re. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Don't re-reinvent the wheel. Right, just reinvent it once. Yeah. It's, it's enough. I, 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 I... I'll be honest, PJ. I uh, I'm pretty sure that's all you're getting out of us. Oh my god, this I can't believe it. Come, you had two weeks. Did someone say design? Oh, design. Design is a good one. <sighs> Sidebar, Tanda. Why did you tell him design? That doesn't make any sense. You don't. You don't. You don't design. Well, I just. I just thought. I, I just thought we were free to throw design out at any time now because we've passed the magic episode. So yeah. he'd completely forgotten about design. Now it's back on the table. We're gonna hear it every single week. Yeah, maybe we can distract him. Yeah, I mean it's not that difficult. Oh, I think he's coming down off his sugar high. All right, all right, Tom, is that your final answer? Huh? What is? I, I, exactly. In your face, <laughs> book. Facebook. Now, despite what you guys might think, this isn't actually a new segment. It's a segment that we came up with about a year ago that we've never actually done. <laughs> so, In Your Facebook is supposed to be about stuff that happens on Facebook. We've never really had anything to talk about, but I'm in a bit of a mood this week, and apparently so is Tom. I don't know if Tanda is, because she's still sick, but... We're going to talk about some things that transpired. I'm going to let Tom go first. Yes, it's available. Are you, are you sure it's available? Yes, it's available. But how much is it? Yes, it's available. <laughs> the auto response on Facebook needs to die. It's driving me nuts. At first, if you recall, it was the buyer that was annoying. Because they would just say, is it available? But now the seller also has quick reply buttons. And more times than not, they just say, yes, it's available to anything you say. I think you have a story about this, PJ. A recent story. I've got two stories. So this is, um, okay. This was yesterday or the day before. There's this guy... We're going to, we're, oh, hold on, let me see, I can figure out what his name is here. His name is Larry. That, that doesn't seem like a real name. So this is this guy named Larry, and he's got two pictures up. The title of his, his Facebook Marketplace ad says, Garage and Loft Full of Tools, All Different Trades. And then it says $10. He's got a picture of a Makita thickness planer, 
And then he's got a 1960s era Craftsman floor model drill press, okay? So I messaged him and I said, how much for the planer and the drill press? His response, Tom's favorite, yes, it's available. Ugh. So I repeat, how much? Question mark. Look at the ads. The ad says $10. His reply, it would not let me price things separately or let me put in a range. What are you looking for? The planer and the drill press, dot, 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 dot. They each have an ad of their own also. Prices are somewhat negotiable. What are the prices? Three question marks. His response, look at the ads, three exclamation points, negotiable. My reply. So I have Taste to- the soup. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to go find your ads. You can't just tell me here. Tell you what, you keep them. Thanks for making this super frustrating. Good luck. His reply, an hour later, learn how to read. I have a lot of people asking the same questions. Call or text me to look at what I got. His number was hidden. Sorry for your attitude, comma, period. <laughs> the comma period explains a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is like, oh, yeah. Go look at the ads and then ask me again how much they are. Yeah, it's like, but come on. Seriously? I got to go awesome. find your things. The Facebook marketplace is not the easiest place to find stuff. If you don't, like, I don't know what he's labeled them as, you know? Like how, like I'm supposed to go from garage and loft full of tools to what, what does he call them? I don't know because I never ran across them. I never saw anything else by him. And if you click on his uh, picture to see what else he's got listed, it just goes right to his Facebook profile. It doesn't show anything, which makes me think he actually doesn't have any other ads. He just thinks that he listed them, but they don't really exist. (laughs) They're on Craigslist. Seems like that would be something you could leverage. Like you could just say something like, uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to pay 30 for everything. If you're, mm-hmm. if this is amenable to you, please just say they're available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's priceless. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was that one. I got one from today, but Tom, did you have one that you wanted to do? No, not a specific story, just general gripes. So go ahead and then I'll fill in the general gripes. Okay, so there's this woman named Sharon, and she has a listing. It says $1, antique vice and belt sander. There was two pictures, and neither one of them gave you very much information. The vice is on a stand, and it's facing like the meatball is facing you. So you can't actually see anything. Like the handle part is facing you. You can't see any details. You can't tell if there's any writing. It kind of looks like it might be old, but you don't know. And it's on like some kind of homemade tripod stand. And then right next to it, there is a, um, it's a sander that's similar to the one that you had, um, Tom, the the, mm-hmm. the six by 48, but mm-hmm. there's no badging. Uh, it does not look like a Rockwell Delta or a Jet. It's painted green. All the paint is flaking off like it's got a disease. Uh, you could tell it's got a belt cover on it that looks like it's from the 40s or the 50s, and it's on an original stand, but you can't tell anything else, okay? And I'm, I'm interested, but it's like an hour plus away. So I said, it said in the description, make an offer, 
But anytime somebody says that, they already have a number in mind. So I said, mm -hmm. what are you looking to get for these? And she replies, make a reasonable offer. And I said, they are both in rough shape, dot, 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 $50, question mark. And she says, no thanks, can get more in scrap. <laughs> so I said, what do you want? And she says, 350 for both. Oh. And I said, I don't know scrap prices. And she says, they're high right now. And I said, $350? There's no way you're going to get that for scrap metal. My friend took 800 pounds last month and got $75. I'm talking about you, Tom. I'm aware. So then she <laughs> replies, try somewhere else. Thanks for looking. But this was kind of sticking in my craw. So I got online and I Googled uh, scrap metal pricing. Oh, I was just going to say I would have replied uh, with the snarky, I've tried five other places and I can't find any places with scrap prices that high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I find this place and I take a snapshot and it's got steel at on the high side, 10 cents a pound and cast iron on the high side at 14 cents a pound. And I circle them in red so she knows exactly where to look. And I sent back and I said, 14 cents a pound on the high side, that needs to weigh 2,500 pounds to be worth $350. If you change your mind, let me know. And she replies several hours later, well, I took a medium-sized radiator and got 50. And I said, that's because it's made out of copper. Copper is worth more <laughs> yeah. than steel and cast iron. And she looked at that oh. and then didn't reply. You know, so yeah. like I, I thought about like making fun of her at first, like a bunch of laughing emojis. But then I'm like, I want to see where this goes. And it's it's she just doesn't know the difference. It's just old, heavy junk to her. And she thought a radiator was the same thing as a sander. It's like not even close. It, it's possible. Uh, there's no way she's going to get three hundred fifty dollars. No way, because it looks like it looks terrible and there's no brand. So you have no idea what you're getting. So, so yeah, that was, those are the two I had. <laughs> uh, it's a cluster on there, man. I, it just, the people, I, I don't know. Some of them are either brilliant or just don't have a clue. You know, anytime, anytime you list something and they go, uh, what's your bottom price? That's, that's one of my favorites. I just, I just say, oh, uh, how much can you pay? Like, that's the same question. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. And and they go, uh, how much do you want for it? I'm, I'm like, the price is right there. And I just go, well, I'm at $100. What would you like to offer? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, it just drives me nuts sometimes. And it, we honestly, a lot of those people, you just end up ignoring and not selling or buying from them because you just, why would you want to meet that person? Oh, why would you oh, want to, I got another give one. them your address or I got another whatever? one. Oh, I don't know if it's still available though, because I banned the guy. Hold on. Let me see if I could get it. If it's, if it's still visible to me, um, I will read it to you. All right. So I banned him and it looks like it disappeared. <clears throat> so I have, uh, from, uh, the visit to Matt's neighbor, I picked up a 1980s Craftsman half-inch drill in the box. It's it's practically new. And I had it up for sale for 25 bucks. okay? 
And two weeks ago, this guy sends me a message and he's like, is this available? I'm like, yes, it is. He says, can I come pick it up tomorrow morning? And I said, or, or tonight, he wanted to pick it up tonight. And I said, yeah, come pick it up tonight. All right, what time? Six o'clock. So I'm waiting, six o'clock rolls around. He's not there. And I'm like, are you lost? You know, 20 after six, are you lost? That's my favorite thing to say when they don't show up. No response. Waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, 20 to seven. Hello? You know, no response. Then seven o'clock. Had to work overtime. Can I come tomorrow morning? Yeah, sure. Come tomorrow morning. So he's supposed to be there 10 o'clock in the morning. Doesn't show up. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's not unsuspected. He didn't show up yesterday either. So then many days go by. Then he sends, like by many days, I'm like five. Then he sends me a message. Hey, can I come get this today? Yeah, sure. Come get it. What time? How about at 12 o'clock? Sure. Come get it at 12 o'clock. He doesn't show up. Doesn't show up. So then the next day, he's like, I can come today. Okay, when when can you come? When's a good time? I said, how about right now? Okay, I leave now. <laughs> so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Are you coming? This is like an hour later. Are you coming? No response. Eight hours later, I'm on the way. <laughs> really? You're on the way? You said you were leaving eight hours ago. You're on the way now? Right now? No response. And after like an hour, he doesn't show up. And so I said, oh, look at that. You didn't show up again. Guess what, buddy? You're banned. Don't ever contact me again. Click, and I banned him. Oh, my gosh. Him. So that was, I had almost completely put it out of my mind. But, yeah, these are these are the interactions with some of the winners that we have. Yeah. You know. That's unreal. It's unreal. In your face, book. All right. It's time for short and sweet. Tanda, you got anything to wrap up the show? Well, there are a number of makers out there that I see them modifying and making things a lot. And I tend to um, kind of modify things as needed, but then I'm kind of jealous of people who are just constantly modifying things. Uh, Izzy Swan comes to mind, who's just always looking at something and saying, I could use this for something else, or I could add on to this. And he's got some really cool ideas. And I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of who he is. But if you're not, it's uh, good YouTube, good, uh, not not so much on Instagram, although it just, you know, usually leads you to YouTube videos. But he's made some really cool modifications to anything and everything woodworking. That's true. Izzy is the king of mods. Mm -hmm. What about you, Tom? You got anything? Yes. Yes. Everything you own in your entire house, Google the item with the word modify or modification next to it. You will be amazed how much information there is about the thing you own. Like look up the model and brand of anything and you will find people modifying things on it or to it or with it or whatever. I do that when I'm going to buy something. Like if I'm buying a new thing a toy a tool 
I will type in the tool and type in modify and see what people are doing to it. And that will usually determine which way I go with that thing. For some reason, I'm imagining all kinds of things that I don't want to find out could possibly be done with a tool, but that that's, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, yeah, um, you, you guys. Incognito mode. I, I typed in Roxy the shop dog, found some crazy stuff. Oh, boy. boy. That's, that's, we, don't, we don't want to get into that. I've, I've also done so. It's, uh, Roxy's very wild. Uh, uh, quick, uh, so on the modifying topic, um, another uh, bastion of modifications is, of course, the Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. I just saw him. I think he did a video about um, the ring he puts. He welds. He welded a ring onto the guard for an angle grinder, and then he actually plasma cut another thing that he also put on there, and he uses that for helping him cut with a cutoff disc, and I thought that was a really good mod, but that's one of, like, you know, 800 Jimmy DeResta mods. He just does that all the time. So, so there is that. Uh, and the last thing I'm going to say is... I had um, another Don Pedro encounter yesterday, and it was uh, 30 minutes shorter than the last one, which was an hour and a half. This was an hour. And um, he threw uh, only three grown man temper tantrums this time, <laughs> even though we had previously agreed on the price, okay? I'd sent him the prices. I'd sent him all the pictures. He gets there, and he acted like he'd seen nothing. And I said, Don Pedro, I sent you all this stuff. He goes, I am too busy. I did not look at anything. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't look at anything? And, and then, Not so my problem. I had printed out an invoice because he made me write one last time. So I printed out an invoice, and I said, I said, look, you're getting a discount right here. Okay? Here's the discount. How do I know I'm getting a discount? I'm like, because it's right here on the invoice. It says, look, there's numbers. Just add them up, okay? It's not that hard. So he was just all over the place, right? And then he brought his friend, Miguel, who had only been in the United States for nine days. He just got here from New Guinea. And Miguel is limping like he'd been bitten by a tiger, okay? His knee is swollen to the size of a grapefruit. His foot is swollen. And I'm like, what did you do? He goes, I don't know. And he asks me, do you have any knee medication? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't have knee medication. And he, I said, you need to go to the hospital. He says, yes, I, I went to the hospital. They, they gave me medication that does not work, does not work. I'm like, okay, well, you need to, listen, it's all swollen. You need to get in a bathtub full of ice, okay? And Don Pedro's like, no, he needs hot water. And I said, no, you, hot water is if you're stiff. If you're swollen, you need cold, okay? He needs an ice-cold tub of water to just sit in. This you got to shrink this down. I said, if this gets any bigger, you're going to have a problem, like a serious problem. Like he like he was like two steps away from like possibly losing his leg. Like that's how bad it looked. It wasn't discolored, but it looked really bad. So at one point, uh, Miguel is like, um, can I use your bathroom? I'm like, sure. So I take him inside, show him where the bathroom is, and then, you know, I just, I go back outside. And I didn't realize until I left that he had broke the toilet seat, right? So we're, we're going to get to this because this, this was, this, Don Pedro is failing all my tests, by the way. So he walked through, Don Pedro walked through my shop and of course he wants to buy everything that's mine. And I'm like, no, that's, I'm keeping all those things. Those are mine. Why won't you sell to me? Sell to me. I want to buy it. And I'm like, no, those are my things. You can't have them. And he's, what about this? And he pointed at the Rockwell 
um, 14 inch bandsaw. And I said, well, I am selling this because I'm replacing it. And he says, how much, how much is it? And I said, I said, well, I'm selling it for 400. I give you three, I give you three. And I'm like, no, I'm not, it's not 300. And so we wound up on 350 and he wants me to deliver it, right? This is where we're at. Um, but then he finally leaves and I find out about the toilet seat. So I take pictures of the broken toilet seat and I send it to him and I don't hear from him until today, okay? And he says, he calls me up and he says, I, I see the pictures, the toilet seat is broken? I said, yeah, Miguel broke the toilet seat. And he says, oh, oh I'm very sorry, I'm very sorry. I must go, goodbye. And then he hangs up on me. <laughs> Didn't offer to pay for it, nothing, okay? And I'm like, okay, fine. This this how we're gonna play? This And I told him when he was looking at the bandsaw that there was 10 other people that wanted it, which was a little bit of an exaggeration. I've got like five people that want bandsaws, okay? I've got like their phone numbers. And so I sent him a text message in the middle of the day and so uh, let me let me read you exactly what he said, because this is this is like classic Don Pedro right here. So I said, so here's my exact words. I said, I just talked to the main guy who wanted to buy the big bandsaw from me. I told him I was selling it to you, and he offered me five hundred dollars. So unless you can meet that, I will sell it to him. He says, you are not trustworthy. Go ahead. You don't know relationship. Never again. Bye. I said, really? Like the relationship. When someone breaks your toilet seat and you don't offer to buy a new one like that, <laughs> and then there's a pause, and then he says, "Thanks, very good for a good time, men. Am angried. <laughs> <laughs> You're angry. You think I'm happy about my my toilet that my toilet is broken. Men, is just a mistake. Sorry. Yes, the mistake is yours. If you break something, all caps, you fix it." And then he says, what we do now. <laughs> this is exactly how he's typing it to me. And I said, I have to go buy a toilet seat. If you want the bandsaw, make me an offer over $500. I told this man it was for him before I knew you, which all the people that wanted a bandsaw, I knew before I knew him. And he says, no, sell to him. Thanks very much. And I said, okay, thumbs up. So... I'm going to check with the people that wanted a bandsaw, but if none of them actually want one now, I'm, I'm just going to bring it to the slip and slide and Tom, I'm going to give it to you and you can sell it to the Thai guys for 450 bucks. Cause I know you should actually, that's what they paid you for yours. I know they'll take it. Send me, send me, send me a picture. I'll send it to them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he, he ticked me off. You know, that was, that was a test. He's failed every single test. Oh, I forgot to mention that as soon as he got to, he was, he showed up at four 30. Okay. He was supposed to be in the, there in the morning. He didn't show up in the morning because he was on the phone with the cable company. Then he leaves at 12.30 and he's supposed to be here at 3.30, calls me at like quarter after three and tells me he's going to be late and I can hear him chewing. And I said, did you stop to, to get something to eat? He says, yes, yes, I was hungry. I was hungry, I must eat. And I'm thinking, he left the house at lunchtime. Why didn't he eat? He was there the whole morning talking to the cable company. Why did he eat before he left? He had to eat on the road. So then he gets there at 4.30. And then the first thing he says as soon as he gets out is, get us water. I'm at your house. Get me water. Like, these are his exact words. <laughs> Not, can I have some water, please? And then, so I got him some bottled water. And then halfway through us going back and forth, he demands more water. 
So it's it's just like oh my god, like the there's there's like zero tact. Um, but anyway, um, that was the Dom Pedro episode, which is I don't know. I'm a little salty. Like I I I'm wait like he picked out. He wants me to make a delivery. He wants a whole bunch of stuff brought down to him, and I already know what the next thing is going to be. He tried to get me to pay for his gas to come up here, and I'm like. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? I delivered the stuff to you. That's why you paid me for the gas. So he wants me to bring it down there. I'm going to ask him to pay for the gas again. I know he's going to flip out. I just, I know it because he's <laughs> he's not going to be happy. So if, if I never sell anything else to him again, it's not going to break my heart because he is a fully grown man-child. Like this guy, I've never been in front of somebody that throws a fit, even after you've agreed on stuff, still throws a fit. So it's it's very tiring. I'm I'm sorry I modified his cable box. I thought it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Now it's time for Ask Old Oswald. Ask me what? Who are you? Well, uh, we're lucky that we were able to get Old Oswald because we were supposed to be recording this last week when he was available. And apparently um, there's something going on at the farm. We almost didn't get him tonight because we kind of switched the schedule up on him. But we did get more questions because last week we only had two questions. Now we've got five. So, uh, Tom, do you want to hit us with the first question? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, Shandy Beer and Co. Works says, uh, what did old Oswald do on his week off from the podcast? It, sidebar, Tom? Sidebar? Yeah. Yep. Um, it, I, I haven't seen you drinking anything, but uh, did, did you just say Shandy, Shandy Beer and... Uh, Shandy Beer and Co-Works? Sh- yeah, sh- Shandy Beer and Co-Works. Sirs. Okay, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> I just looked back, I went, oh, of course it's Shandy Bear. <laughs> and and I, I think it's Woodworks, too. Yeah. All right, I'll do it again. Should I do it again? Or oh, should no, I just, no, no. Just let just it take, stand. You, I think we're good. Yeah, there, just let it stand? Yeah, there's PJ. Let's just carry on. All right. So, Oswald, what what do you have to say to Shandy Beer? Oswald? I just realized he didn't say anything when we started the segment. Oswald, are you there? Mm, This is probably for the best. I mean, uh, is he there? He's looking right at me. Oswald! (laughs) I wasn't sleeping. I'm okay. What's going on? We're we're doing the questions, Oswald. Remember? That's why you're here. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, of course I know. Sure. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we missed you last week. It was it was my fault. I wasn't I wasn't feeling well. But one of our questions was, what did you do on with your week off since you had already scheduled time with us, and then and then we didn't have the podcast. Did you make good use of that time, Oswald? I was supposed to have some time off. No, no one told me. I, I didn't get any time off. I've been working the whole time. So, so wait a minute, you. Oswald, you didn't realize that you were supposed to be here and then you weren't here and that you had free time? When you're on the farm, there's no such thing as free time. You're, you're always working. That's true. But I, I, I'll be honest with you, Oswald. I've, I've never lived on a farm, so I, I don't know. He's got a point. It, it, I, I believe you, but I've, I've, I mean, I think Tanda's probably the closest to being a farmer between the three of us. Tanda, can is that is that true? Are you always working on the farm? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think not always. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was my dad's uh, motto that uh, you could sleep as well. So if you weren't working or eating, you you were allowed to sleep. You got to sleep. Oh, hey, you worked on a sissy farm. It's uh, yeah, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. Wow, this is a hardcore. Um, Tanda, you want to hit Oswald with the next question? Yeah, our next question comes from Old Timey Tools, and it's, what's your favorite wood? What's my favorite wood? Uh, I don't know. The free kind, I guess. Any free wood is good for me. I don't like buying wood. Not real fussy. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, Oswald. My favorite wood is also free wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that's the best kind. Yeah, wood's expensive. It's not like it grows on trees. Not not free wood. Uh, not gonna not gonna not not free wood. No. No free wood. Free wood grows behind buildings. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let me hit you with the next question here, Oswald. All right. So Andy Pugh asks, just how old is old Oswald? Uh, now, Oswald's already answered this question. Oswald, do you wanna do you wanna tell uh, Andy how old you are? I'm 105. Yeah, he's been 105. He won't tell us when his birthday is, but he's been 105 for as long as we've had the podcast running. So uh, old Oswald is old. Uh, that's that's never been in dispute there. I'm not so sure, but what old Oswald hasn't been 105 for years and years. <laughs> well, I think as the years go on, the number goes up. We We haven't been broadcasting for a year yet hmm we'll find out yeah no i just have this feeling he's kind of exaggerating a bit well you know he is old maybe he forgets i don't know it could yeah that could be that's probably it wonder if it's because he's on the metric system which brings us to our next question jack has tools asks uh what does old oswald think of the metric system that's a good question that's a great question oswald Oswald, did we lose, did we him, lose again? him again? Is he? Oh my gosh! Oswald, hello. Um, Tanda, this is getting old. I don't, I, don't I, I don't know what to do. He's he's like staring right at us, but he's not moving. Maybe we could make him a console that he thinks is like just a dial-in podcast console, but it has like a little, you know, a little plunger or something that whacks him or shocks him. Wait, I've got oh, I've got an idea. idea. I've got an idea. Is that your wife coming, Oswald? What? What? Are we, what? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. 
I'm beginning to understand why there's no sleep on the farm there, Oswald. It's, um, it's becoming apparent. Uh, so the question, we had a question for you. Uh, was What do you think of the metric system? Metric system? Huh, it's for communists. That's what I think about it. Hey, no metric oh, stuff over here on my farm. Everything is in inches, inches and feet and yards. We don't use this stinking commie logic over here. Uh, gotta be honest, I, 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 I kind of saw that coming. You know, it's a, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Tanda, uh, you want to hit the next question for Oswald here? Yeah, this one's this one's a bit unusual. It comes to us from uh, Sigma Woodcraft, and it's uh, is old Oswald real, or or Oswald? Are you just a psychological construct of PJ to cope with the sad reality that time is slowly marching against us all? Well, Oswald, what's your answer to this question? I don't understand the question. He he's asking if you and I are the same person. We are not related. I don't understand why he's asking me that. I, I don't even live where you live. Well, that's true. We, we don't live in the same state. Although, to my defense, I don't know what state you live in because you won't tell us. We just know that it's near a, a port somewhere. But I'm in Pennsylvania. There are no ports here. Could, could you at least confirm that you're not in Pennsylvania? I do not live in Pennsylvania. I don't like the mountains. See, I love the mountains. So uh, I believe he's he's in the lowlands somewhere where it's got water and swamps and stuff. There was some talk about gators in one of the episodes. Uh, but but just so we're clear here, Oswald, uh, we are not related. No. Well, that's it. That's, that, that's the answer. I guess that sums it up. That satisfies it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, as always, um, we'd like to thank old Oswald for taking time out of his busy schedule, uh, although he looked like he took some naps during our, our conversation here today. But so I guess we're helping him out because he's, he's being overworked there on the farm. Uh, so thank you, Oswald, for, for, you know, spending some time with us. Yeah, sure. And um, thank you, everybody, for, uh, for understanding that we had to take a week off, and uh, we'll see you next week. I think we might have tuckered old Oswald out. I need a nap. <laughs>